Welcome to the DBS Films Podcast, a behind-the-scenes look into making indie films. Learn from DBS Films about their process, tips, and fun stories that all come with making multiple movies a reality. Hey everybody, welcome to DBS Films Podcast. My name is Kel, with me as always is my brother Brennan. Together we make movies with a DBS Films. Today's episode, we're going into part four, the scene-by-scene breakdown of our newest feature horror film, Horror in the Forest. If you haven't seen it le- yet, going along, giving it a review and a rental means the world to us. Let's us continue to make movies for our fans, with our fans. If you want to be part of the process, all you got to do is join our Discord community online. So, where we picked up, we have Jim convincing Georgie and Bo and Steven to go out in the woods with them. So, we have our classic montage of them getting out there. It's all spooky. Sun goes down. Looks great. And then we get to the tension starting to build with uh, Bo basically being frustrated that Jim is making them set up camp for the night and they're not just doing the ritual. So I think here's where we're kind of, you know, really leaning into the pressure of Bo suspecting Nelson and, you know, not liking him. Georgie being like, we have to do this. I think it is some good tension. Um, I think it's really, really good here. And again, these are just kind of neat scenes. So anything about the montage and, you know, Bo basically being like, I'm sad that we have to stay another night. And Jim being like, we have to do what we have to do. And then Georgie being like, well, I guess we have to do it. Because again, that's really, that's our main plot right there at this point. Yeah, I mean, you, you need to have the Bo character, the tension in there. Um, they all can't just be buddy-buddy. Um, and I think if the audience, you know, wants to see them not go all the way out there. Like, that's just what happens. You don't want to, everything can't be too easy. Um, so I think the, you know, the, the dynamic that I have with the Bo, the Nelson character is basically like Bo does not like the Nelson character. The Nelson character does not like Bo. And then Georgie is kind of in the middle, like making sure that both are focused, you know, going where they want to go. So there is tension in there. Um, it's just, once again, you have to highlight it. So it's just a little bit of tension. It's basically, um, you know, you don't want to go too much, but you want to have the the pressure there. You want to have the, you know, the the ability to basically keep the drama in the movie um you know it's the 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 actor thing where it's like everyone needs to get something from the scene um and it works really well if your scene's well well written your characters are well written but for most of the time when we've tried to use some of this stuff it kind of backfires on us and every all the characters come off as really unlikable and hateable but i think for the first time we do a really good job here you know i think that the interaction between all three characters is clear their goals their wants their needs um and they physically um you know, make it known that through body language, but also, you know, vocally with their intentions and the dialogue in this movie is an indie trap. I thought we navigated it very well. Um, and it keeps the pace and the tension going through, you know, up into the climax. Definitely does. It really is kind of, like I said, the set for that our dynamic. So we have, uh, a fun indie infamous scene now, which is Dylan setting up the trail cams. And to give you that information, we had him do it. But the first trail cams were apparently way too tiny, which I'm still curious if anyone would have mentioned that. I really am. And that's like kind of something I guess if people did mention it to you, I guess it's worth it to refilm this. But essentially what we had to do is we refilmed on the set of the Bigfoot project with a much bigger camera and a much bigger light. Because in the scene ahead of this, you will see it is a very big light. And for that flash to be coming from that camera just didn't seem like it made sense, which again, I do understand. I can see that, but I'm also on the side of, I don't know, 
if we had to. But the fun one with this is, this is basically the very, very last scene that we ended up putting in the movie before sending it off for the final, you know, QC with distribution. So you want to talk about this fun little gem? Yeah. Um, so this one bothered me. I got a hunting trail cam off of Amazon and there's a couple issues with the hunting trail cam. Number one is really, really tiny. And number two, it doesn't flash. Hunting trail cams don't flash because if they would flash, they would show the animal or scare the animal essentially. So most of them are like a little bit infrared and that's what this one was. And I don't know why I didn't think of just having the light pole. Like we shot it like in the movie. Now you see Dylan's holding onto the light in a battery and I could have just done that and just had a camera. That would have been totally fine. And once again, like there's just little things where you're just not thinking clearly or just, you know, the simple solution, just you can't figure it out. And that's what happened when we did the discord cut and I showed it to other people, like it bothered me. Like I knew that this was incorrect and I knew there's certain things that people will just red flag to death for no reason whatsoever. Um, and so I didn't say anything, but I wanted to get feedback from friends who see the movie and from the discord. And there were multiple people who brought it up that hunting cameras don't flash, especially in that way. Cause it's a very loud, obnoxious flash. So Basically, I was like, oh, man, this could be bad. And for us, because we had Dylan, for us to we already have the lights, we just need to pick up a battery. For me, just go out there and film it. It really took like an hour. It wasn't that bad. Um, and that's what we did. We got it. And then, you know, if you can get something that will alleviate the reds or the one stars, then you go and do it. Because then, you know, the indie film, you're just going to get one stars no matter what you do. Um, and you know, our goal is just try and remove any little small thing that people, you know, will catch. Um, if you go back and look at their reviews in our past movie, there's always like one or two things that people just kind of like hold on to and they it stops them from like reviewing the rest of the movie properly. Um, but this one's also, you know, a lightning rod just because it's Blair Witch. Um, and but that's a good example of it. It's like people will hold on to something so bad that they just can't see the rest of the movie. Um, but, you know, for indies down the road, anything you could do to just kind of mitigate those one stars um, or at least prevent the people who don't really like your movie from leaving a review. Uh, and I know all the hunters and people who would have watched this movie would have been, you know, one star. That's not a hunting camera. Hunting cameras don't flash. They would have had a big issue with it. So we got rid of it. Wasn't too bad. Got it in the movie. But yes, this was the final shot of horror in the forest yep and again there is that balance what does it take to get the shot what is the improvement it has and you know hey we're not going to get any five stars for the hunting cam that's for sure so that goes ahead and sets up the actual scare of the hunting cam so basically you have uh georgie hopping in the tent kind of giving you some more feedback again i really like how she starts bringing up you know the whole angle of it being like the you know story of lost people losing their children in these woods grief and I think that, again, is the angle that we do want to work with. That is the angle that we see, you know, it really being the the juiciest when it comes to developing a, a great plot for this, this concept. So she starts uh, hyping it up. Then things start going crazy. And uh, Bo hops in there and they basically are sheltering. They're looking, they're looking, they find nothing. And then, or they go to try and find Nelson. They can't find him. They go back to the tent. They start hearing the cameras going off. And then we get the pop scare from Nelson. And I feel like this is, to some degree, we've tried this essentially a lot. 
of like them in a tent and like things are happening around them. And usually it does not come out close to right. But I think this was the first time that we really kind of got a good version of this. Cause I, I remember, man, we've been having lights popping in the script since like the first movies. And like, for some reason we just never either get there or it just doesn't work out right. And we just kind of, you know, move on from that. Or I know, I believe in into the forest. I think you just ran out of time when it came to the storms. So this was kind of a, a really good scene, in my opinion. Again, there is that little like slider of like of a of a scare. Is it a passive scare to where they're not necessarily really in danger, or is it an active scare to where there is something unexplainable? Thus, you should leave immediately. And I think this scene perfectly moves that slider over to the middle, where something weird's happening. You don't know what it is. Nelson's convinced it's a witch, but Bo and everyone else is like, Nelson, you're just weird. So I think this is a fantastic, you know progression of that plot and that angle but i think we finally did a really good job of at least the concept of what this scene is because i feel like we've had the concept for a while but this is the first time we kind of really put it together yeah i mean we, we've always done the light flashing stuff i think it's a cool um little trick i just don't like this scene um i don't know what i would do differently um we do kind of do it in the bigfoot project without the light flashing I do think it works. I think it's just we have to take a second attempt at it. With a lot of indie filmmaking stuff, your first attempt is not your best attempt. Um, I was cueing Bo and Georgie and Nelson. I think that might have been an issue. I think I would have had them reacting to the light more. Um, I don't know. It was just kind of messy. And anytime you're in these tents, it's so tight. It's just like hard to get like a good view of anything. I think if they had set up a circle of lights and they would have been outside hearing those noises and the lights started flashing in the forest. And then they ran into the tent. I think it might've been better, but once again, like it's good. It's not great, but it's not boring. So it's not, I don't think it detracts from the movie. I don't think it adds anything, but we needed something there. We needed some kind of scare. We need to show that the the witch was near because the next scene is when they actually see the photos from the trail cam. So it does flow very well, but it's just, I don't know. It just needs something else. It's almost like the intro. It needs something else. I just don't know what it is. Um, when we get to uh, Horror in the Forest 2 or Into the Forest 3, we'll kind of, you know, put a little bit more brain power and see if we can figure out, you know, what it, what it's just actually missing. Yeah, definitely can see there's room for improvement. And I think that's the cool part of now that it's out there kind of really dissecting it. I think it is having those lights kind of more apparent. And I mean, I think we just need flash bulbs, you know, something spooky about a flash bulb really makes it happen. But again, who knows, you use a flash bulb, it's probably going to wreck all the footage. So we'll figure out how they do it. Um, that being said, you have another dialogue between uh, Nelson and Bo, kind of furthering the rift between them and what's happening. And then the next day, you got Georgie waking up. Um, and again, another downbeat, kind of setting the mood, setting the tone. And then you're kind of setting up the suspiciousness with some absolutely amazing props, courtesy of Ashley, uh, doing a fantastic job witching it up. But basically, this scene in the beginning is Bo essentially being like, I'm out of here. I've had enough. And then Georgie, you know, one last time kind of pulling them over, them noticing all of those things, Nelson being like it's closer. So really, this is kind of that peak inflection point in the morning of, you know, are you going to continue this? And if you take a look at this movie, there are multiple points that we basically 
address this for the audience. So it's not just like, why are these people just doing this going to their death? We're really trying to show that there is conflict between the relations here of if they're going to continue to do it, what's going to happen. And, you know, Bo uh, does a great job. So, you know, shout out Andrew again, of really kind of being the one, you know, pushing that uh, like, Hey, this is, could be a horror movie guys. What are we doing here? And I think the morning scenes, you know, you need this downbeat to progress it. And I think it looks good. I think it progresses really well. And I, I think, you know, for a downbeat, very, very good. Yeah. I think once again, you have to kind of like highlight number one, that there's like weird spooky stuff going on with the witch. Once again, Bo leaves. And then, you know, there's gotta be enough. The whole idea was there needed to be enough for them to continue out in the woods. And, you know, the Georgia character, she wanted to go and finish this thing, see what was going to happen out there. Bo wanted to leave. And, you know, Bo and Alexa have their conversation out there where he's about to leave. And then, you know, we see the witch on the laptop. And to me, this is just a little bit off because really he wanted to stay for Alexa. I'm wondering if both of them wanted to leave would have been better. And then that thing draws them both into the woods because right now it's like she has the line where it's like you wouldn't have stayed if you knew it was a shadow or something along those lines where, you know, it looked too much like a witch to stay. But that doesn't really jive with his motivations because his motivation is to protect Georgie. He doesn't really care about the witch too much. Um, so I'm wondering if we would do it again, if you would have just had Alexa and Bo after that Nelson thing, think that he was the one who hung up the witch ornaments. Then they're packing up and get ready to go. Dylan's packing up the computer and then he sees the witch. That might've been a little bit more of a realistic dynamic, but once again, it's easier to do this now. It was much more difficult and cloudy when we were actually, you know, in the script writing process, but I think that would be a subtle tweak that I would make for this, uh, this version of the movie. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, you know, I, I think having that evidence kind of be the more shocker because basically what happens is they make the decision and then Dylan's like, Hey, look at this. And then we brighten it and it turns out it is a wish or a witch. And uh, one of my favorite scenes is Nelson that comes up and spits. I don't know why. I just, I love that. It's hilarious. <laughs> and he just goes up to Bo and just spits. Um, so, that was perfect. Uh, we have them walking through the woods again, and it is night. So um, I, I will say, you know, I do kind of want to highlight some of the montages here and just the filming of it. You know, um, not to toot your own horn, but the cinema or cinema cinematics and cinematography here just really, really look good in these montage ones. You got the X, like one of the cool X ones, the silhouetted X in there. You got a uh, uh, Jim you know, holding on to his stuffed doll, looking all sad. But I just think, you know, as we're getting better and whatnot, we're understanding kind of what is moving the plot and the pacing with these montages. And it's really, really good. So, um, you know, real quick, do you want to talk about all of the montages, whether it's walking golden hour, whether it was, you know, just getting those. Because again, it seems like it's an easy one. You just kind of roll and see which ones are the best. But, you know, it definitely can make a difference when you have more impactful images that kind of stand out to people. 
And I know this was kind of the first one where like even that like the silhouetted X one that got a few people that were like that. The callus got a few people. Now, those are kind of lucky that we had two things. But I think, you know, just as an indie filmmaker, keep your eyes open for things that will be visually appeasing that you can then use in these montages. Yeah, and we had more cool stuff. Um, there was like an abandoned um, like play area in this one. So we had like a little mini Ferris wheel that was all rusted. Um, Dylan was pushing around like a little rusted car. There's a whole bunch of like child's toys and things that they could like seesaws and swings out there. They're all rusted and cool. And I have a ton of footage of that stuff. But to me, when I was editing it together, it was like, they're supposed to be out here in the woods where there's really no one else. No one's like ventured this far out. So when you have these kind of things, it just didn't make sense. That being said, some of them like really, really cool. I really wanted to use the Ferris wheel. Um, but I'm always looking for cool stuff to do. And, you know, as an indie filmmaker to get peak characters from one place to the other, you have three options. One, you have the hard cut Two, you can have them sit there and talk and, you know, have some kind of dialogue that, isn't integral to the scene, but just kind of gets them going. And then the third one's the montage, the hard cut. You kind of will lose the continuity of the movie a little bit. Um, I'm a big believer in making your characters go on a journey. I really like the journey that all three of the, them or all four of them went on in this movie. It felt like they moved. It felt like they were in different situations. It felt like they're in different places with the hard cut. You kind of lose that kind of stuff. It's like, all right, you know, we're 10 miles here and we hard cut and now we're 10 miles in another direction. You don't feel the journey. Dialogue's always risky because once again, we're really trying to make sure people don't turn these movies off. And if you have dialogue that's subpar, if you have dialogue that's boring, if you have dialogue where they say dumb stuff, people are going to turn it off. So dialogue's always very risky. Most of the, the dialogue in this movie is pushing the plot forward and to write uh, basically time passes montage uh, dialogue you have to kind of make sure that it's just not integral because a lot of people aren't going to be paying super close attention and then the stuff that we use a lot is montages yeah we do a lot of montages but it's really easy to make them look good we have really good montage music especially for this movie and I to me the montages in this movie are different than the montages in Force of Death I think we clean them up we use less but to me the impact is the same the only goal I'm looking for is to make sure our characters are moving. We get some cinematic shots and it's making, you know, the viewer feel like they're on the journey along with Georgie and uh, Bo. Definitely. So the last scene for uh, this episode of the scene by scene breakdown is um, going to be Nelson warning them about the ritual and getting set up. So we'll basically have them get set up and we'll have them warning them. Now, I remember this scene, basically, this is when we let Nelson off the leash. And we said, all right, Nelson, you have them out in the middle of the woods. You are enforcing your authority and your dominance here. Go ahead and ensure that they will follow every single thing that you do for this ritual, because it was very critical. And Jim did a fantastic job. There was a ton of takes, and each one was really creepy and unnerving. Like, when he touches Georgie's hair, it's just really a perfect touch for whatever reason. Um, but I think he did a fantastic job here. And again, this is kind of the core essence of that Nelson character. You know, this is the, oh shit, we're in the middle of the woods with this crazy person now. And he's basically threatening us to do everything that he says or else. Yeah. And I mean, like, this is where I told, you know, Nelson to just crank up the heat. They can't really back out. 
Um, he's going to go nuts. And I think he's just a mixture of like super excited. Um, you know, he's amped up for this whole thing, but he also, he understands the danger of this ritual and they don't really believe him. I think at this point too much. So it's like the frustration of you trying to warn somebody and they're not really listening. And I thought he did a really good job. Him walking back and forth with a knife, like pointing at them. I thought this was all really cool and really well done. Um, and I think, you know, what Nelson brought to this character, what Jim brought to this character really kind of shines in the next couple scenes. Um, but he really nailed what I had in my head. Like, as whatever you want to say about the movie and all the other characters, this is the character that I had in my head when he did this. And I thought he did a great job. It was phenomenal. Um, and I think you're really kind of building that tension up until we hit like that final 15, 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, so you have him setting up then. Um, now let's talk about setting up the uh, the ceremony itself. The one thing I want to highlight here is Brendan did a really cool thing, and he Googled how you summon an actual witch. So we basically have the process for what you're supposed to do if you want to talk to them. Don't know about the ingredients. We kind of added that. So again, it was a montage. Um, but... I want to kind of talk about setting that one up because, I mean, honestly, it was a lot of work for just a really tiny short cut of scenes, like what we actually had to get for that came out really, really nice. Then I want to talk about the fun fact that after we did it, it dropped like 15 degrees in temperature, like immediately, which is super fun to have on set. So um, setting up the montage, planning it, filming it, and then potentially summoning a real witch. What was that like, Brendan? Yeah, you can see the montage. Um, we did this one in Murder House. And I thought it was really cool in Murder House as well. Um, we had like it into the, um, the little chalice. This was a similar thing. Um, but yeah, we did kind of figure out how to summon a witch. It's a pie wacket witch. Um, and we kind of did most of the steps, if not all the steps. Um, and when we did do this, it did get very, very cold very, very quickly, which is very unsettling. Um, and really it didn't warm back up until we had sage on set, like Nelson's lighting sage and, you know, the actors started freaking out. So they started lighting sage and it did get warm again. So, you know, I don't know when you're in woods, like deep woods, the temperature changes really quickly. There's a lot of weird stuff that goes on. So it could have been that could have been a witch. I don't know. No one got harmed. But, um, you know, when that happened, I, I went in that salt circle, man. I wasn't messing around. It was the case where we're just kind of all looking. I was like, hey, if something appears, make sure you're recording at least. So that's going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. Uh, we got a few more scenes left, especially the main ones, as we have our friend Nelson is getting into the thick of this ritual. But again, if you haven't seen Horror in the Forest yet, be sure to go ahead and check it out for yourself. Let us know what you think. Watching it, reviewing it, renting it, leaving a review online really does mean the world for us because it allows us to keep making our movies. It allows us to keep growing. Let's just keep casting from our Discord community. And if you want to be part of that action, all you got to do, download the Discord app, find us on there, and we will have you part of our audition processes. But until then, have a good one, my friends.